Hello and welcome to Inside the Bradfield Centre. I'm James Parton, the Managing Director of the Bradfield Centre. And I'm Adelina Chalmers, the Geek Whisperer. Joining us on today's episode is Andrew Cox Starkey from Optimizing. I think this episode is going to be a really good one because you know SEO is so important to well any company, not just tech startups, in terms of driving traffic uh, to what you're doing. So I'm really looking forward to Andrew's top tips for startup founders out there. Yeah, I think that'll be really good to hear. Uh, and also, you know, you get this classic $10 offer to improve your SEO uh, email, and I'd love to hear from him as a specialist and a professional who actually knows what he's doing. What what does he think about those sorts of emails? You know. How how are, how are uh, those people helping or is it just another scam? Yeah, uh, and obviously I know Andrew through the, the meetups that he runs at the Bradfield Centre. So I'm really keen to learn how he's gone about building his community through the meetups that he runs in Cambridge. So, Andrew, thanks so much for taking the time to uh, come on the show today. I um, wonder if you could just start us off by introducing yourself and the, the company uh, that you lead. Thanks for having me on. Um, my name's Andrew Cockstarkey. That's often a bit of a mouthful. So I'm also known as Andrew Optimizey um, because Optimizey is the name of my company. Um, so Optimizey is an SEO consultancy and um, I offer lots of advice, but I also run lots of um, SEO meetups and events to help try and get people to more good advice. Andrew, can you tell us a bit more about your personal journey as an entrepreneur? Yeah, entrepreneurs are always an interesting one. I guess I don't I don't really consider myself an entrepreneur, but I suppose I am because I you know I've started out on my own my own company. Um, how I got here, I guess it's I'm one of those people that always had that itch, like I always kind of wanted to run my own company. I thought that would be kind of an interesting thing to do. Um, but it's also a scary thing to do. Like my wife's freelance as well. She's a writer. Um, and having seen her do freelance work, you know, income goes up and down quite rapidly. Um, so with three kids and a mortgage, like both of us being freelance was kind of a scary step to take. Um, so just the right opportunity came along at the right time. I started doing the SEO events because um, that was something I'm particularly interested in. And people were always asking me after the events, you know, oh, do you do SEO? And I was like, well, yes, I do, but in-house. And they were like, well, could you do SEO for me? And I'm like, well, no, because I've got a day job, so I wouldn't really have time to do it. And I used to do a few bits and pieces on the side, mostly for friends, you know, just for free, because I enjoy playing around with all that kind of stuff. Um and then, yeah, there's more of these kind of opportunities came along where people were saying, you know, could you do this for me? And I'd say, well, yeah, okay, but, you know, you'd have to wait. And they go, that's fine, I can wait because I could only do it at sort of weekends and a couple of evenings. So it would take me, you know, three times as long as somebody doing it full time. And, uh, yeah, once a few more of those opportunities came along, I thought, actually, you know what, I could probably give this a go. And I took the bold step and launched a company just before a massive global pandemic, which was a great time to do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you can if you can make it successful now, then uh, you know the rest of it will be plain sailing, right? Um, so, I mean, I want to spend a little time. Just I don't want to skirt over the SEO side of things because Adelina and I speak to a lot of startups around Cambridge, and um, time and time again, it always comes back to sales and marketing. Um, so, do you just want to kind of give us a helicopter view of kind of SEO and the importance of optimizing? Um, and really the kind of power of, you know, driving direct traffic to your your products, your websites and kind of what you're up to, because I think it's a really important thing that people understand the value of. 
Yeah, it's always an interesting. So having to try and explain it to my kids, they're like, you know, what do you do at work, Dad? And I like, you know, I say, oh, SEO, and they go, well, how does that work? And you, you know, it's like when you, you know, the answer to that is when you Google something, how does Google know which results put first and which results put second and which results put, you know, why is your website always the one that's on the bottom of page five or whatever it is? And the answer to that kind of stuff is SEO. So understanding how companies can help themselves and produce the right kind of content and address the needs of their particular customers, create a website that then is healthy and uh, functional. So it works for Google when they're trying to crawl it. And so Google can see all your lovely content and index it in a rapid way and put it in the right places and associate it with the right kind of queries when people are searching for that thing you sell in that city you sell it in. That's the kind of stuff that I'm trying to do. And I think anybody that's had a website has probably had one of those emails where you get those emails from people that go, oh, I can get you to the top of Google for $10. And you know it's a scam because you know nobody sells that kind of stuff for $10. I certainly don't. But it's like, you know, there's so much bad advice out there. There's a lot of it. And it just seems to be in so many different places. And so having, yeah, seen friends of mine running their businesses and getting duped by some of these scams blatantly, um, it was frustrating. And it's like, well, that's not SEO. That's, you know, the thing that they're trying to sell you doesn't work. Don't do that. And trying to get them to get more access to more good advice. And that's why I kind of started with the events because I'm lucky enough to know lots of really awesome people that are really clever and really great at this kind of stuff. And they're willing to come and talk at these kind of events just to make good advice available. So the events and the, and for them to be you know, free was a big thing for me. And so that's why, you know, working with places like the Bradfields were great to be able to provide that and make that stuff available to people that need it. And, you know, we don't get millions of people come to the events, but if it's just one or two people that it helps and helps them avoid that kind of snake oil trap, then that's all good. Yeah, we'll, we'll definitely come back and talk about the events and the, and the Bradfield. Um, but I mean, I think on, on SEO itself, I guess for the uninitiated, it's kind of understanding the fact that it's a constantly moving target because obviously the search engines are constantly evolving how they, um, you know, configure their algorithms and stuff like that so it's never a, a one-shot job is it and maybe maybe a second kind of part to that question is i guess you're in a you're in the the, the most results driven business possible because it's immediately obvious if your seo strategy isn't working because your rankings aren't increasing seo is a constantly moving target and that's um one of the things that keeps it interesting for people like me in that you often hear from people, you know, when I particularly deal with new clients and they go, oh, it's fine. I, I don't need SEO. Like my, my, my developer SEO'd my website when they set it up. And that, <laughs> that always rings alarm bells for people like me because I'm like, well, that you, it's not a one-shot thing. You can't have done it. It's like, you know, you're running in the world's longest marathon. If you're standing still, then all your competitors are going to overtake you because they're doing things constantly to optimize their website and to try and move ahead. And you know, new players are entering your market all the time. And the things that people are searching for changes all the time. Like, you know, who would have predicted that, you know, several weeks ago, there'd be sudden surges of people searching for, you know, face masks and just all the relative things that come off the back of that. There's been lots of funny stories about the crazy things that people are searching for, you know, during lockdown because they're all searching for bread makers or they're all searching for, you know, home recipes to make various things like kfc whatever because they can't get out to their favorite restaurant um so yeah it's a constantly moving target and it's something that you know you need to if you're changing your website on a fairly regular basis and most of us are because we're producing new content then you need to be keeping an eye on this kind of stuff and seo is really important like um one of the things that i always try and help customers and clients kind of work out is how important seo is to them but i don't think 
people often realize just how big of a deal it is for their traffic. And if you look in, if you've got things like Google Analytics set up, most people do have that kind of at least set up for their site. You can go and look and you can see that actually with the majority of your traffic, you know, in almost all the sites I work on, at least 60% of the traffic comes from search engines. And you see all the money they're pouring into social media and Twitter and Instagram and influencers and all this kind of stuff. And all their social channels added together make up like 10 or 15% of their total traffic. And yet they're pouring huge amounts of money into that and completely ignoring SEO. So that's always an interesting dichotomy for me. Um, And that's one of the reasons I like SEO is because of that kind of relation to reporting. So you can see the results. So if you do things that then increase your rankings and get you more traffic, you can see that straight away. You can say, okay, well, now we're getting more traffic to this page from Google and from Bing and even the, all the other search engines, things like that is majoritively Google. So you can see straight away like that kind of impact and attribution is one of the reasons I really like working in SEO. Andrew, you mentioned earlier about the people with the $10 scam offer. I was wondering, could you give us an example of what they're doing comparing to what you do and, and perhaps a specific example of a sort of problem that you solve for your customers? Oh, there's there's so many scams, Adelina. <laughs> I don't even know where to start. Um, a big one is links. So, and it's one of those things that, again, as uh, so in SEO, there's these two sort of broad buckets of people: people that are black hat who do all this kind of you know nefarious stuff that is kind of at the borders of what's allowable um, at the borders of what's legal in lots of cases. And then lots of people that would classify themselves as white hat who you know try and avoid all that sort of spammy scammy stuff. And there's lots of shades in between, of course there is. Um, but the frustrating thing is that with the black hat stuff and those kind of spammy snake oil people that spam your email inbox offering to sell you things, sometimes they're pretty close. Like they say things like, you know, all oh, right, you know, you need links to your website and links are really important to Google. And the more links you have, the better your rank. And, you know, if I can sell you this link for $50 and this link for $100 and two links over here for $500. And in a way, they're kind of right because links are really important. Like that's the way the web works. That's how Google understands that, you know, if lots of people are talking about, you know, Andrew is the best SEO in Cambridge and they're always linking to his website saying the best SEO in Cambridge and, you know, this guy really knows his SEO. That's a really clear signal to Google that my website is about Cambridge and about SEO and about, you know, some bloke called Andrew. Um, so that's where it's frustrating because, you know, people read enough information to understand that links are important. And then somebody rocks up in their inbox, offering them hundreds of links for $10. And they think, well, this sounds great. Off they go. And the thing is, you know, particularly Google is um, getting much, much better at this kind of understanding all these scams. I think, you know, James kind of, I was talking earlier about the moving target. And it's a bit like whack-a-mole because, you know, Google is constantly changing its algorithm to try and keep up with all the stuff that people are doing to try and game the system, like selling links. And yeah, that was one of the things. So people, if you have heard enough about SEO, you've heard of the kind of big Google updates and they used to have all these kind of cutesy names. So one of them was the penguin update and the panda update. And lots of these updates are about them fixing things where people have tried to scam it. It used to be back in the day that if you and I had very, very similar websites, you had a hundred links and I had 101 links, I would rank higher. And it used to be that simple that, like, you know, it was, it was just literally an arms race. The, the bigger number of links you had, the better you got. So scammers and spammers worked this out and they would literally go spin up hundreds and hundreds of, you know, dummy websites overnight, all to link back to their website that was selling, you know, Viagra, poker, bingo, whatever it was. And that's how they'd rank number one. And they, you know, make money hand over fist. 
And Google kind of cottoned onto this and they were like, well, this is not good for users. These websites are, you know, not the best result. And that's what Google's trying to get people to, or you know, so they say they're trying to get you to the best result. Um, so yeah, it's, it's things like that, that you know, the snake oil and the bad actors will try and get you towards those kind of things, like, you know, buying links and um, spinning content, they'll, they'll, you know, all this kind of stuff. Like, you know, hundreds of people I see that write, write blogs. It's like, oh, I've got to have a blog. You know, everybody says I've got to have a blog. And they produce hundreds and hundreds of blogs. And it's like, you've got to have a you know, daily blog and you've got to post content all the time and keep posting content. That's what Google wants, feed the machine. And they just produce hundreds and hundreds of dross bits of content because they feel this pressure and all these sales pitches to like keep producing content, keep producing content, you know, do a, a daily blog. And you end up with like, you know, motor, uh, car sales blogs producing things about you know their favorite types of cheese and it's like that's not related to you stop it like this is not helping you it's just making things worse so that's that's the kind of stuff that you see people kind of wandering down the wrong path that's uh, that's really interesting it kind of leads nicely on i guess to my next question which was going to be you know the bradfield center is full of early stage tech startups and obviously you know we we work with startups across the region so what would be your kind of top three tips to a, a you know a tech startup just starting out what would you, what would you advise them to be thinking about right now other than obviously giving you a call <laughs> you just stole my type of question james i object <laughs> i know i'm still i know i know i'm stealing your top three list question i know i know that's copyright adelina i'm sorry <laughs> i love it yeah, it's an interesting. One. I, th- I think, like you know, for a lot of the tech startups, you know, in places that like the Black Bradfield and stuff, you know, these are you know one or two people companies, and you know, you've got a hundred. I know what it's like running a company and running your own business. You've got a hundred and one things to do, and like there's email and social and SEO and content, and that's all you know, just digital stuff. And actually, what you want to do is produce your, I don't know, blue widgets, whatever that you think are going to revolutionize the world. Um, so all the digital marketing stuff is just another thing on your long to-do list and SEO is probably, you know, a huge way down there. Um, so I guess my top, my top three tips, I guess, you know, is broadly related to marketing. Like, you know, do you know who, who your audience is? Who are they? What are they looking for? Um, it's that kind of, um, marketing at, um, adage of sell the sizzle, not the sausage. So nobody's going to go and Google best blue widgets in Cambridge but they might Google, you know, my boiler is making a funny, not whatever it is the blue widget solve that kind of problem. So, you know, where's the content on your website that speaks to that um, answer, the thing that your product solves. And, you know, if people are Googling for that, you know, my boiler is making a funny noise. How do I stop it? Have you got content that says, you know, Cambridge blue widgets are the solution to your boiler making funny noises. So knowing your audience, knowing what kind of things they're looking for, the other big thing that I see um, lots of people um, get wrong early on is that reporting stuff. Like, you know, the first thing I often do with new clients is, you know, obviously I assume I'm going to do an amazing job because I'm brilliant at what I do, of course. But how am I going to be able to prove it to you afterwards? So let's say we do a huge and amazing project on your site to overhaul your SEO and you know, get you ranking higher in six months time. How are you going to know that it works? You know, is, the, is it as simple as, you know, you're an e-commerce store? and you're you've sold more socks great can we measure that you know how many socks did you sell you were selling 10 anyway have you now sold you know 12 or 20 or you know 200 uh if it's not as as direct e-commerce kind of thing like that what other kind of 
conversions or the steps you're hoping people are going to take is it you know signing up to your newsletter is it downloading your white papers is it watching all your videos is it attending some of your events how are you measuring that kind of success and that should you know apply for all kind of stuff not just seo like you know if you're pouring money into facebook or instagram or emails or I don't know, direct mail, whatever you're dropping into people's letterboxes, you need some way to measure the success or failure of your efforts. Um, and getting that kind of set up and set up early is really important. Um, and I guess my my third one would be Google Search Console is often really overlooked. So lots of people have Google Analytics. Most people have heard of that. They stick it on their website. They kind of set it and forget it. Don't really look at their analytics very much anymore. Um, but Google Search Console is another thing to get set up and get it set up on your site early. Um, so it's an insight into literally how the Google search engine sees your website. It used to be called Google Webmaster Tools, which is super nerdy, and everybody just thought, oh, well, I'm not a webmaster, so I, that's not for me. So Google rebranded it a few years ago, and they've called it um, Search Console. Um, that was their attempt to try and make it a bit more user-friendly, but it's just got loads of really useful information, and it's one of those things that doesn't work retrospectively. So as soon as you set it up on your site, all you need to do is like verify that you own the website so that you can't. You know, I couldn't go on Beyonce's website saying say that I want the search console data for her website. So you have to prove that you own the website in some way by usually by putting a little snippet of code on your site. And then Google Search Console gives you loads and loads of really useful information about how Google's seeing your website. It will show you where Google can't find things or where they're throwing errors, or it will show you how users are finding you. So where are you appearing in that search for, you know, best blue widgets in Cambridge? Do you rank number one? If you don't, why not? Where do you rank? You know, you rank 15th, right? Great. That's something we can work on. Um, but it's just, yeah, there's just tons and tons of useful information in there for Search Console. It's completely free, but it's, um, yeah, so it only works from the day you, you actually set it in motion on your site. So early doors, new companies, please install Search Console. It will make people that you work with life in SEO much, much easier. Do you have any customer case studies that you could give us as examples, like before and after, what, what the situation was like for them when you when you started working with them and, and what happened afterwards, you know, a specific example, no, no need to say real names um, if, if they're not happy with that, but just, you know, giving us a, a little story, it'd be great to understand a bit more about how you do what you do. Yeah. So obviously I can't breach lots of NDAs that I've signed, um, but yeah, no, there's, there's a few examples. Um, some of my favorite ones are the, are the real gimmies. So they're, you know, a classic one um, for SEO circles is um, sites that accidentally block themselves from Google. So, I've worked on sites before where, you know, they seem to be going along quite nicely. They've been running for three or four years. Um, then they think, oh, we're going to have a rebrand and we're going to change and we're going to update our website. And they hire some lovely developers who build them an absolutely beautiful website and they have it in staging or in their test development site. And they go, okay, right, yeah, we're testing it. It all looks great. Okay, we're now going to make it live. They make it live and their traffic drops off a clip. And they're like, oh my God, what's happened? And they dig into it a little bit and they work out that, okay, well, it's organic traffic that's died. You know, all organic traffic's dropped off a cliff. And they call somebody like me. And often it's there's a you know a, a tiny little thing you can put in a file called the robots text. So every website usually won't every but most websites have a robots text file, and it's the first thing that search engines look for. So when the little search engine crawler from Google or whatever comes along, the first thing it looks at is the robots text file because that's where it says yes you can or no you can't view this website because there are some sites you know say you know, they've got sensitive information on they don't want Google put in there so they say you know, go away. And lots of people use that in their staging and test environments. So they don't want Google looking at the staging and test environment. But then when they roll out to the live environment, they accidentally forget to take that little thing off. And then 
Google goes, oh, I've been banned from going to that website. I better not put it in the search results anymore. So they plumb it out of the search. And literally, if you go in there and you just remove like one line of code or you know change a forward slash from a, an allow to a disallow, and their traffic suddenly returns overnight and you're an SEO genius. So those are always fun ones to solve. Um, I guess some other kind of... Uh, case studies of examples of things that I've done. So they really vary. So I've, I've worked with, um, you know, some real kind of like uh, mom and pop kind of small businesses. And for lots of them, things like uh, Google My Business is a really important thing. So again, lots of people that, you know, either set it, forget it, um, and they don't really work on it very hard. Um, but yeah, helping those uh, smaller businesses out with things like Google My Business. Um, yeah, I've seen, you know, clients go, you know, literally treble their traffic in a, in a, in a few months. Um, and they're moving from a small base to something that's quite a lot. Um, those are always quite satisfying. Um, but yeah, I've also worked with, you know, some of the big tech companies in Cambridge and, uh, you know, it's smaller gains for them because they're on a much larger scale. But even for them, like, you know, a 5 or 10% gain in traffic is like tens of thousands of, you know, new potential leads uh, every month, which is yeah, always really exciting. You mentioned earlier in the conversation about the meetup. Um, so, you know, explain to us about how you went about building community through the meetup and, uh, you know, how, how that's kind of gained traction uh, over the, the months you've been doing it. Probably years now, because I think you were one of the first meetups that came to the Bradford. <laughs> I was, yeah. <laughs> You're a veteran. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel like it, but yeah. So uh, I didn't really mean to get into the events business, but um, so there's a there's an event um, that happens now twice a year um, down in Brighton called Brighton SEO, which is uh, like just like Las Vegas for people in, in the SEO business. It's really, you know, this huge event that happens say, a couple of times a year in the UK, like three or 4,000 people go, they get people from overseas, they get absolutely knockout speakers. Uh, they do this kind of raffle for free tickets. And, you know, even then after that, once the first sort of thousand free tickets have gone, you know, there's um, some fairly reasonably priced event tickets to go along afterwards. It's, it's just a really terrific event. It's a really nice atmosphere. It's, it's you know, usually in the kind of like spring or summer summer months. It's down by the seaside. And I, I really enjoyed it and got a lot out of it. And I thought, wouldn't it be great if there was something like Brighton SEO in Cambridge? And I was talking to a friend of mine about it. And, you know, there was like, well, you know, who's going to do it? You know, and then just that kind of, well, why don't I do it? You kind of think, well, I could. And so this friend that I was talking to, I was like, right, if I did it, would you come along and be one of the first speakers? And he said, yes, you know, if you organize it and get a few people to come, then yeah, why not? And so that was how I kind of got into the events thing. And it's this kind of, you know, it's that motivation of trying to get help people get access to good advice rather than this kind of bad advice you get thrown at you all the time. That was one of the kind of key motivators for me. So I thought, you know, I can do this. I can get enough people to come along and talk about some, you know, relatively seo 101 stuff for small businesses and i know there's a lot of those in cambridge and this kind of thing could work um that's how i kind of got into doing the events and then yeah, i remember um i worked for the royal society of chemistry up on the science park and you know we we're uh, around there when the the bradfield was first being built and uh, everybody was like you know this is a really cool venue like i wonder, I wonder if they would you know have, they have an event space and then I say I got talking to the, the team at the Bradfield and they were kind enough to, you know, help support the events and things. And it you know, kind of spiraled from there. And do you do you have any events um, coming coming up now online or how, how does it work now that people can't meet face to face at the Bradfield anymore? Well, for the time being, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I've, I've, I've had to cancel two events now. So there are, there's only six, six a year. So it's every other month. Um, 
and yeah, I've, I've had to cancel two events now. And the online event space is getting extremely competitive. Um, so there's there's lots of events out there. So I, at the moment, I'm dabbling with the idea of taking it online, but trying to work out how I can add something unique to that. I don't want to just be a another event that's churning out you know online events and content and things when there you know there's already a lot of things in that space. Um, one of the things that I you know particularly you know got a lot out of for doing the events at the Bradfield was that connection to local. Um, and you know the advantage of online, of course, is that anybody can come. You know, somebody from the, literally the other side of the world could attend the events if they wanted to, which is great. But that kind of element of you know shared people being in an event, an event together, networking afterwards, you know, discussing all the things that you learned over a beer and things was kind of a key part of the event for me, and I think for some of the attendees too. Um, so yeah, I'm trying to work out how I can shift things into the online space. Um, it's tricky because. You know, the Bradfield is is a great venue, and it was one of the things that you know I think helped sell it to more to get more people to come because it is, you know, in Cambridge is ample parking outside, and you know you get that kind of wow factor when you walk in. There's a few people that go bloody hell, this is a really cool venue, and there's lots of other marketing meetups and things that you know are in and around Cambridge and even around sort of East Anglia, and you know I'm not going to knock them, and I'm sure they're great. The the venues are lovely, but it doesn't quite have that sort of slightly mouth open effect when you walk into a cool place like the Bradfield I'll take I'll take those compliments on behalf of the building and the architects <laughs> they, did a, they did a fantastic job um so I mean maybe I could I could indulge you in a little like live market research with our customers I mean have you have you I mean we're obviously planning on how we you know bring people back into the building and get things back to uh, hopefully somewhere near normality uh, over the next few weeks and months. Have, have you got a sense of, you know, how quickly your community would come back together? And if they're going to kind of, you know, be have having had such a break, are they going to be very keen to get back together into a networking situation? Do you think there'll still be some caution there? Um, you know, what, what's your kind of feeling on how quickly things will come back? So I'm lucky enough to be like, you know, once I got into events, there was lots of people that run similar things and, you know, even much larger things like Brighton SEO that you know, I've kind of connected with. And they were all really generous with like sharing their advice about, you know, things to, you know, sort out and don't don't forget this. And here's some advice and here's all the mistakes that they made that they were really keen to share. Um, so I'm still in touch with all those people. And, you know, they're all you know, some of them, they make their living out of live events. They sell tickets to big conferences and things. Um, and it's scary for them. It's kind of really worrying. So they're trying to do this sounding of, you know, if there was an event in, say, October, would you actually go? And I think it it has really varied. I think, but it has, it's scared a lot of people. I think a lot of people are really worried about it. And, you know, people's situations are different, you know, like um, I am, very lucky in that I'm of moderately good health. Um, my my father is is not, so I'm more worried about contracting COVID and then spreading it to someone else than I am about getting it myself. Maybe that's kind of naive on my part, but I think that's the other kind of factor in that. You know, yes, all the people that may come along to a live event would be happy enough to come for themselves, but it's the kind of baggage that comes with that. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, we're kind of thinking about, you know, reducing the capacity in the auditorium to allow some form of social distancing, you know, and all those kinds of things. But it, it's going to be difficult because everyone has different levels of tolerance and different kind of, uh, you know, personal uh, kind of outlooks on the situation. And I remember like the, the just as this was all kicking off, then 
in that I was due to have an event just towards the end of March, just as the whole sort of lockdown thing was kind of ramping up a little bit. And I was looking into ways that I could make the event, you know, more friendly to that kind of thing. Cause you know, it's a typical kind of tech meetup in there's loads of pizza afterwards and even just little things like that of, you know, 50, 60 people put all put in their hands in the same pizza boxes was okay well that's probably not going to work so you know could we do individual kind of like lunch box portions for people so that everybody can kind of isolate their own food as it were so little things like that were the things I was kind of looking into but yeah I think it's 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 really hard like how do you get people to have some kind of shared experience in a shared space you know remote, without removing the whole point of the live event where you're there sharing it with other people I think you're right and it's a lot of people also um, don't really keep much distance. And I think it's quite hard to speak to someone or network with people from two meters away, even if you were able to keep the distance. I mean, I I was, to be honest, quite naive about what COVID was really like before I got it. And um, I used to think the same as you, that I'm not worried about myself, is other people that I, you know, I'd be worrying about. But um, yeah, COVID is, you know, can affect <laughs> um, your health quite badly. And I, yeah, it, it's, it's still quite a, quite a danger. I don't know if a lot of people will still come out without the vaccine, but um, I mean, I'm, um, I don't even know if, for example, someone like me is immune or not. That's another question that I'm not sure anybody can answer. I think there's a lot of we don't knows. We, we don't know like when the lockdown's going to end. We don't know, you know, if people that have already had it are immune. We don't know. There's just lots and lots of we don't knows, which I think is unsettling for people, isn't it? Yeah. Do you have any um, any anything coming up that you would like to tell the the people listening to this podcast about? Something you think would be helpful or useful to them or something you want them to know that you're doing? Well, I'm humble enough to, to suspect that lots of people that are going to be listening to this probably never heard of Optimizee, never heard of the Optimizee events, um, may even be just dipping their toe in SEO for the first time. Um, so if I can, I'd like to plug my YouTube channel because I'm lucky enough in that um, Breadcrumb Media, um, they come along and video all the talks. And so on my YouTube channel, which you know, if you go to YouTube and search for Optimizee, then you can find the YouTube channel. There's all the videos from all the previous talks there. There's, you know, 30 i think videos on there and just from some phenomenally brilliant people in seo and they're all really great presenters and they explain stuff you know in a really simple accessible way and you know some of this stuff can be really intimidating you think oh my god i've barely understood 90 percent of what that person said but if you take away 10 percent of what they said and apply it to your website then you're going to be 10 percent ahead of your competitors who aren't even bothering with that Thank you so much, Andrew. I really, really enjoyed uh, our talk. And I, I always feel quite intimidated by SEO, but I, I think you've, um, you've shed light on uh, quite a few things that are almost like urban myths, to be honest, about SEO. Um, so for me, it's been uh, quite interesting to hear some of your tips and stories about common issues that, that happen in this space. Um, thank you. Yeah, it's been a really interesting chat, Andrew. Again, appreciate the time and, you know, can't wait to have you guys back in the building uh, with the meetup. Yeah, likewise. I say the, the support of the Bradfield has been, you know, fundamental to getting the events to be as popular as they are. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to having them back again too. <laughs> Fantastic. All right, take care of yourself. Take care, Andrew. I knew that was going to be an interesting conversation and I wasn't wrong. Um, I think Andrew gave us a whole bunch of uh, really interesting practical tips there. 
Absolutely. I really, really loved um, when he, he mentioned the fact that you should think about your customer and is the content on your website specifically answering the question with the words that your customer would use. I thought that was so so clear and so easy to, um, to think about and implement as well. Um, the other thing he mentioned was the webmaster tools, or as it's called now, the Google Search Console, um, which gives you much more um, practical insights into your own website and how Google finds it than uh, Google Analytics. So again, another really good tip there, I thought. Really nice to hear Andrew how Andrew went about building his kind of you know in-person community, if you like, through the meetup. Um, and obviously, as people are starting to plan to go back to work, if you have a meetup and or you're looking to run an event, you know, please get in touch. You know, the time moves quickly, so we should start planning now. So thanks once again to Andrew for coming on. Uh, the show is produced by Carl Homer, and you can find us on thebradfieldcenter.com under events and community. Music